What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another tour life. Me and Yuli live in the same spot. I don't know when the last time we were live in the same spot was. Uh, Champions Cup? Yeah, I think so. It's been a while, but this is nice, honestly. It's actually way better if we can do it. Fortunately, a lot of times our my Airbnb is like 35 minutes away from the course. So it's like not super feasible. Yeah. But we are right now in the conference room at the Discraft warehouse. Uh, they're doing a what, like a pizza part. Yeah, a little pizza a party? little team get together. Okay, right? team get yep. together. All right. Uh, sounds probably a little bit better than a pizza party. But um <laughs> uh, that's going down here. So we thought, you know, this would maybe be a good spot. Who knows who will show up? We might have a couple people bounce in here throughout the night. But we have a big show for you guys tonight. We're gonna go through the I Idlewild, all the crazy stuff that went down there. Um, not just on the MPO side, but also on the FPO side. We had Glow Disc Golf the first time on the Disc Golf Pro Tour. We'll talk about that. Uh, then we are going to jump into um, the preview of the playoffs. You know, th- this is a very interesting thing. The Disc Golf Pro Tour playoffs, they're pushing it hard this year. It doesn't really make sense to me. So maybe we'll get some answers uh, about exactly what it is and and hopefully give you guys some answers of some of the questions of what the playoffs are. And then we got a few other things, uh, a couple tweets I want to talk about, and then we got some listener questions as well. So full jam-packed show. Without further ado, let's jump into it. This episode of Tour Life is sponsored by Double G. Today's episode is brought to you by Double G Jerky. They have tons of flavors to choose from, like hot boom sauce, garlic lover's dream, or smashed cracked pepper. They offer one-ounce bags, which are perfect for a player pack or to enjoy on the course. Every bag sold helps promote youth disc golf with the Double G Children's Foundation. They have been able to provide discs and baskets for inner city children and have donated thousands, thousands of dollars to families in need. So go pick up some Double G jerky and use code foundation for 10% off your order. Um, yeah, I, I play with Double G tomorrow. We're going to get into that. Okay, because it is okay. it is actually okay. very fascinating what how they did uh, tea times tomorrow. But uh, for our listeners at home too, if you're listening to this on the podcast thing, I am under the weather. This is my flu game podcast, so I'm going to do my best to make it through. I might not talk nearly as much as I normally do because talking is still uh, doesn't feel the greatest. But it, I have a little verba, ver, vibrato, nice, yeah, that little vibrato in my voice. So. If there was ever a time for me to try to be a country music star, I think right now would be the time. You know, baby, lock them doors and turn them lights down low. That's not bad. That's, That's not pretty bad. good. A little karaoke action. Um, all right, Yuli. Yeah. I want you to look right into the camera. Okay. okay? Because you had people earlier this season saying, Yuli's washed. You had people earlier this season saying, Get back in and just do your Jomez commentary. You had people telling you to retire. You had te- people telling you you're trash. Now is the time, Yuli. Tell the haters what you want right there, right in the camera. Whatever you got for them, let them know. Oh, no. I, I think it's just a thing in sports where I've said this before. It's like one of my favorite things to say is it doesn't matter what anybody thinks about you, what anybody what anybody says. What matters is what you think about yourself. Mm. period and that's kind of the thing that i live by some people like it some people don't um uh and i mean that's that's it in a nutshell people are going to talk that's that's our job too 
we go in there and oh, we'll talk course. about people and blah, 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 blah. And from my performance earlier in the year, of course people are going to say that. I deserve it. I played like Garbo, you know? I mean, it is nice. It is nice to have a good finish, have a good, you know, I've had a good last couple months, really. And to be able to look at the work that I've put in and for it to not just be words, you know, mm. me just being like, oh, yeah, I'm not, I'll, I'll play good and blah, blah, blah. To, to back it up with some solid play is really good. But, you know, just like just like before, I, I'm looking for, you know, I'm still looking for wins. That's where yeah. that's, that's where I'm at, and uh, like I said, it doesn't matter what anybody says about that. All all that matters is what I think, and I think I still got really good play left in me. Well, you took it a lot easier on them than I would have had, for that's for <laughs> sure. So I respect you for that. But no, I mean it's it's obviously great to see uh, your name back at the top of the leaderboard. Uh, Silas, throw up his uh, his final round here, so people can kind of see what actually went down. Uh, shooting 13 under with a bogey on hole 10, which is, you know, understandable. Um, crazy round, though. I mean, just shredded. Yeah. Moved up. Uh, I don't know how many spots you ended up moving up, but you you finished. Did you finish tied for fifth or solo fifth or fourth? Tied for fourth. Tied for fourth. Mm-hmm. Tied for fourth. So first top five of the season. Um, and you're coming off, like you said, a couple really good finishes. Um, at, at tournaments previously as well. So your, your game is, is shaping up into great form, which quite frankly, no better time to do it. Right. Right. Like right. if you, if you could pick either playing trash at the beginning of the season and playing great at the end or playing great at the beginning and playing trash at the end, I think we'd all want to play great at the end. There's massive tournaments coming up. Yeah. I mean, typically in my career, honestly, I'm, I'm lucky in the fact that I've been able to, I, I feel like the end of the season is always when I play my best. Mm. And I also think that that has something to do with the courses that we play. Okay. Like at the end of the season, we're playing, you know, a lot in Vermont. We're playing in Massachusetts, Ida, wild USDGC major championship courses, which are super difficult, which allows me to kind of pick apart the courses and, and, and play a more, I would say, I wouldn't say technical, but it just does definitely fits my game a little bit more towards the end of the season. Um, I'm lucky for that for sure. Well, let's get into that a little bit because I think Idlewild is a course that anyone can play good at, right? You know, this week D is a good example of a course that is going to be a struggle for a lot of players on tour where Idlewild really, if you're hitting your gaps, you don't have to throw far. You don't really have to throw incredible uh, second shots, really. A lot of times, the second shot on most of the holes are scrambles. Getting off the tee clean, so important, because yeah. that is the difference between giving yourself a decent birdie look and you know scrambling to try to maybe save par or at sometimes bogey. So mm-hmm. did you feel like that, you know, you felt pretty confident, I'm assuming, off the tee this whole week, this whole past week? Oh, absolutely. I mean... Over the last, like I said, over the last couple of months, I've been really working on just a few things. You know, we've talked about it on the, on the, even on this podcast of how I was missing something, that little something, like everything I was doing, everything well, but I wasn't quite putting it together. It had been, I think, a year since I had a double digit round. And then I went back to back double digits. And I knew once I got a little taste of what it was like to score and remembered, what that was like, I felt like I would be able to do it more and more. And it just so happened to be back to back, but it was also 
I, I said this actually last week on the podcast that I had to like look at my game and be like, okay, I'm not that player anymore. I have to, I kind of have to relearn courses, relearn how to play them. Um, and I think I've been way too aggressive on a lot of shots and I haven't, you know, toned it down to focus on the stuff like you just said, like make sure you hit the gap. Yeah. And when you can make it simple like that, it'll come a lot easier. Like I went into the into the, this last um, tournament really confident, really confident because I knew it was a matter of time before all that stuff came together. And I've been able to, throughout my career, tell people like, no, I'm going to play good this weekend and then actually do it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because I, I've been playing for so long. I know my own game. I know when I'm playing garbage and I know when... I'm not like a type of player who's like, I'm, I'm playing garbage and now all of a sudden I have like a super sweet tournament out of nowhere. Yeah. Like some people do that. It's yeah. crazy. Some people are like, oh, I'm the worst. And then like Gannon, I think this year, mm-hmm. he was talking about how he was just throwing it like crud and then he gets to the course and then he wins the tournament. And I'm like, that's in my mind, I'm thinking that's not me. Like the only time I've ever been able to play really great golf is when I kind of knew it was going to happen type thing. Mm. Yeah, no, and I think a course like Idlewild, because it is so um, so dependent on your tee shots, if you are feeling comfortable about just getting it out there, because you don't even have to get it out there 300 feet yeah. on some of these holes. It's it's literally you know, 325, 350, and if you get it out there, you're going to give yourself a scramble opportunity. And uh, it was... You know, it was good to see, obviously, and uh, I know everyone watching is always stoked when uh, someone on the, you know, the podcast pops off. So um, that was really, really dope to see. A couple other things before we actually jump into the leaderboard, because I do want to look kind of a very interesting leaderboard. One more, more interesting, I would say, with some newer names at the at the top than we have seen in the past. But one one thing I want to jump into is the official tournament name for this course was the 2023 LWS Open at Idlewild presented by Dynamic Discs and The Natty. That that's that's the official name. <laughs> well, if if we uh what, what? or when Gannon comes on here, we have to be like, "Hey, congratulations." Congratulations. Tell us the name of the tournament. You oh, want. you want us to ask him. Okay, yeah. we can do that. Yeah, we can be like, that. "Hey, what tournament?" Cuz there's no play? way we would even get it. No. No, no, Unless no. we're no. reading it and I he would just be like, "I think it took me open. two or three times to to get it <laughs> yeah. even when someone fed it to me before that's, the practice round." That's a that's um, a long. That's a long. Name. What what are our thoughts on this though? Because obviously something that we've advocated is sponsors yeah right we want sponsors to come in we want people to to put money into disc golf because they see a return are we uh are are we concerned at all about the the overselling of of the tournament name at all i don't think so i think no it doesn't matter comes down to is you could have all the stuff that you'd ever want on there and people watch what gannon says he's gonna be like the idle wild open Okay. Because that's what it is, right? Yeah. I mean, it is. It is. But I think with extras. Like it's just it's just one of those things where it's like it could be Yeah, it could it just could be uh it could be more valuable though if a company can and maybe maybe they they can't spend enough money. Maybe that's the problem, is maybe the money that 
the Disc Golf Network is asking, or Disc Golf Pro Tour, excuse me, is asking for naming rights. Maybe it's too much, and so that's why they split it. But to me, if I'm a company and I want the naming rights of a tournament, I don't want to share it with two other yeah. companies. Yeah, but then it comes down to the point where, as a player, do we even care? Well, no, players players probably don't care. I'm I'm talking more just like to the, other sponsors. No, well, to other or sponsors, but also just the way it looks and for fans and stuff. And again, I I think so. I mean, it, it's the disc golf now. Uh, disc golf pro tours changed it to elite events, right? Silver yeah. events and elite events. People still call it. Even people in the media, like people that work for the disc golf network, still say silver series, elite series. So there's still things that take time to obviously yeah, uh, change. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just a curious, it was very interesting when I, you know, cause we always have to look up what the name of the tournament is before we can film anything. Cause we have to, you know, properly say that. And that's the reason why us as players can film. And I was just like, Holy cow, this is a long, long title. My gosh. Um, all right. So let's, let's, let's get into it. Gannon Burr, Gannon Burr takes it down. This is now his third elite event of the season. Fifth win total right. if you add in the two silvers he's won um takes it down at uh minus 32 where i think that kind of shows just how crazy a tournament isaac had last year because the conditions were far more difficult last year it was raining a lot more and uh i think it was a little bit windier on some of the days as well and then also the course played a little bit easier this year with what they did i think hole 12 i love the change with hole 12 as far as pace of play, I didn't nearly get, you know, the backups weren't nearly as bad on hole 13. Like they have been in the past where they sometimes are three cards. Yeah. Um, so I love that, but by doing so you made hole 12 a little bit easier. And then also you made 18 easier. Yeah. 18 was a hole that you were terrified of the potential double bogey. Yep. And now you can get a, as long as you don't get a kick, right? Kick, right. Still kind of yep. stuck. Miss left. But if you miss left, you can almost, I, I mean, I saw people still be able to scramble for birdie yeah. missing the fairway left. So the course did play easier, but I think that just goes to show how crazy Isaac went off last year of where he's like, didn't miss any putts um, by what he shot, but getting ended up taking it down. And Isaac was there too. At the end, Dude, Isaac, I have to say this. He threw the craziest shot I've ever seen this year. What hole? 18. Oh, T shot. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. Through mid range, almost out, the, out gap. the gap, almost completely out the gap. I don't know. I, I he must have been. He must have chucked it up high because I think if you get enough, if you get enough height, that fairway does like halfway through, like drop down twenty. So if you get enough height on it, but still, that's a smash, man. And it's that hole so easy if you can get out the gap. Oh my god, it's so crazy. easy because you still have those two big trees and really like. It is a it is a tricky shot if you're like 150 200 yeah. feet back. But pretty good title defense, honestly. No, very good, very very well. Um, definitely put some pressure on it. And we're gonna get I'm gonna get into some of those questions with Gannon because he kind of made it you know saying like I'm playing against you know Calvin and Isaac Lee Card. I'll see what I can do. But you know those two guys on that course pretty tough to beat, and he got it yeah. down. Um, a couple things before I we jump down the leaderboard, I guess I do want to say uh, round one. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, if Silas can pull up the photo, the graphic here round one, Ricky got 
potentially something that I don't know if we'll ever see again. He eagles the first hole, gets a two. Birdies the second hole, gets a three. Pars the third hole, gets a four. Bogeys the fourth hole, gets a five. Bogeys this the fifth hole, gets a six. Triple bogeys. Or triple bogeys, sorry, yeah. Triple bogeys, the fifth hole, gets a six. The only thing that would make this crazier is if hole five was a par four. And then you would literally go eagle, birdie, par, bogey, double. But have you seen a scorecard like that? <laughs> I no. saw that and I was just like, those colors. Yeah, that's straight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two, three, four, five, six. That's how he said <laughs> Two, three, four, five, six, one over par. Oh my God. Um, yeah, that's a crazy, that's a crazy way to start your round out there. Um Another thing, Calvin might be the king of second place. And he knows it too. Uh, I played a practice round with him recently and he was just talking about like, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty good getting second. Like it's, it's a, it's, he knows that he's put himself in a lot of positions to win. And he hasn't been able to do it, especially late in the season because his two wins are earlier in the season. But the crazy thing about Calvin right now, I don't know if you knew this, you got a second place finish. Do you know how many disc golf pro tour points you got? 13. You got 13 disc golf pro tour points. I saw that. Um, tweet kind of hurt my feelings, but you know, if, if you're, if you're giving me facts, I can't really, you know, combat them. The points that Calvin has dropped this year are more points than I have. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> and quite frankly, more points than, I mean, I'm like 34th or 35th yeah, yeah. right now in points. Mm-hmm. So he, he has more points dropped than 60% of the, the could, of the tour players he could sponsor a player. Yes. With his points and get them into the tour finals with his points, <laughs> with all the points that he's accumulated. You could just be like, here you go. You're in. Yeah. And uh, if you wanted to just kind of get the rundown of his elite, uh, elite event finishes this is what you got. First, third, 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 First, sixth, seventh, second, third, second, third, second, second. I mean, we'll get into it here later because there is some, you know, there is going to be some debate about player of the year. People love talking about it. I think it's a silly award because I don't think I really understand the award. I don't know how it's given out. I think that's a major flaw, Uh, but we'll debate on what we think is player of the year worthy it's actually a classic a classic debate that i love to talk about so i can't wait to get yeah the player yeah um all right i'm gonna hide this from you okay okay there have been seven unique winners at idlewild every year yeah can you list off all seven winners they don't have to be in order but so seven straight years Mm -hmm. okay see how many you can get out which is back to what year this goes back seven years. So this goes back to 17, uh, 17. Yeah. So that was Conrad. Yep. Kevin. Uh, you missed one, but yep. Kevin was two years after Conrad. Macbeth. Yep. Dickerson. Nope. No. Okay. This one's kind of a dark horse one. Wouldn't really consider him like a woods player, but he sometimes pops off in the woods, but is one of the top five players in the world. That's a big oh, hint. Eagle. Yep. 
Um, okay, now now you're now two years ago. Crazy playoff. Klein. Yeah. Last year. I can't remember. Yeah, we just talked about it. You can't remember. We just talked about it. Oh, Isaac and yeah, and again. Yeah. That was pretty good. I yeah. thought Chris won it at one. No. But he did not. Hasn't okay. hasn't won it. Hasn't won it. Um looking at his leaderboard though, you've got uh Gannon, Calvin, and Isaac, Paul, Kyle Klein, and Nico all in your uh well, I guess Kyle Klein would be the last top five guy. Nico's sitting at six. Uh, good performances. I mean, Kyle clearly plays really well at this tournament. Uh, it's no shock there. Did you see the start of his tournament though? Not good. He, no, no. He went eight down and nine holes to start the tournament. That's what I'm saying. The back, his back nine, he just, and then he shot, I think four under, I think he finished at, no, 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 he shot, he went yeah, eight to- down total, total. And then yeah. He went four over yes, to finish four, four under. under. Yeah. Yeah. Not yeah. Clean up that back nine. We got to. Well, and then look, it. look, we did his final round. The final round, he birdies out from hole twelve. <laughs> yeah. He said, "I figured it out." Um, a, a great fin- uh, a great final round from Nico. Also shooting thirteen under. He jumps up to a sixth place finish. Nate Hector, discraft guy, played with them. Yeah, little kid, kid though, right? Game looks like a kid. Yeah, game. Yeah, ends up having a great tournament. Seventh. Uh, you got Matty O finishing up there always tied for seventh with Kevin Jones and then topping uh, rounding out your top 10. You have Ricky Wysocki, Ezra Robinson. That's not a surprise. Matt Bell. No surprise. Shredder in the woods. And then big germ, big germ, big germ at one moment was pushing hard. Now maybe did get a little bit of that uh, pressure of having the cameras come on you mid round. I did see yeah. some questions too of like, is it fair to have cameras come, you know, join you. Like if you didn't start with on coverage, is it fair for cameras to come? And I'm like, yes, like, obviously that's one of my favorite things to do. Yeah. You have to have, if you pull a camera, that's like one of the best feelings ever. Like all of a sudden a camera comes and you, and you, and you know, you're like, Oh, that's for me. You'd be like, all right, something's happening. Now, obviously granted, uh, you can, you can struggle. Like some people can have that pressure of like, yeah. Oh my God, my shots are being filmed. People are watching it now. Doing good. Yep. Am I'm I like, oh, like it, yeah. especially for those that don't pay attention to the scoreboard for sure. like they don't look at their score. I can see how that can be uh pressure, but to say that that isn't going to happen. Like what, what are we talking about? That's what live. That's why you tune in for live coverage is yeah. because if someone is popping off, you want to be able to see that. So to me, that's a no brainer, uh, question, um, going down the leaderboard a little bit. James Conrad Cole kind of has a good bounce back, yeah. right? Good bounce back. Aaron Gossage had a great first round shooting 12 under was tied for the lead. Kind of a poor second round, but finished it with a decent eight under to stay in the top 15. Um, I do want to mention, uh, a couple, well, mainly one name that did not cash. Uh, I'm curious to see how close he was to cashing. Cause I think the cash line was like 14 under 16. It was only at 16. That's what cash 15 missed. Okay. So let's see how close he was. It's not good. That I don't see his name. All right. There he is. So he was six off cash. Joel Freeman. He going into Idlewild. He had the longest 
hash streak going for elite and majors at 57. Now we've seen a ton of cash streaks in, right? We we've seen kale. We talked to Sexton about his cash streak and that ended, uh, ended a couple weeks after he came on the pod. So 57 was the longest cash streak. He wasn't able to cash at Idlewild. Actually the first time he, I, I believe he didn't take cash at Idlewild. Now Calvin Heinberg holds the cash streak at 32. It would be hard for me to believe like, at, you know, it'd be hard for me to bet what tournament Calvin doesn't cash at, but it's going to happen. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it, he almost did it this year. Didn't he? His worst finish was that champions cup, which was like 17th. Maybe it was last year. Yeah. Maybe last, Oh, last year, BB state fling silver event. Uh, but he was His hurt. Cash, that's right. He was hurt. His back. Um, so, there you have it. I mean, it's a, it's a crazy course. You know, you got some names. Oh, I do want to, so one other thing I want. This year ended yeah. Kale streak or was yeah. that last year? Uh, no, I think Kale streak ended this year. I think Sexton ended this year Not and then Freeman. Um, Not a good year to be on tour. One, uh, the streak. one more thing from MPO before we get Gannon Burr on here. Mike Groth. Want to shout him out. If size can throw him up on the, uh, board as well. Uh, Micah Groth. Uh, there it is. Yep. Ends up shooting 14 under the final round. He jumps a, a ridiculous amount. I think 50 some, uh, what is it? He's I got to I got to enlarge it. No, he shot. He shot. I know he shot 14 under final round finished at 16 under jumped up 45 spots to cash, uh, on the number on the number. Uh, ends up parring 17 and 18, which to be fair, if you're 14 under through 16 and you get up on those two holes, like those two yeah. holes are not easy to be like, all right, let me just not screw Like, yeah, those aren't easy holes to be like, let me just play for par making a 38 footer on 17 for the par. Yeah. Well, it probably went OB, right? No, it didn't go OB. So must've just hit a tree early and then threw it to 38 feet or something and got it. Uh, one quick shout, shout him out because when he finished was right when I was kind of teeing off and I got to see him kind of sprint over to one of his buddies. I couldn't tell who it was. And they gave like a big freaking high five. He was stoked. And like, that's awesome, man. I love seeing stuff like that of where someone, do, you know, probably didn't have the greatest first two rounds. Like he'll probably tell you that, but put it together the final round and a uh, very, very exciting finish for him. And yeah. Um, that was very cool. I don't know where Gannon is at currently. Silas, do we have any update on the Gannon Meister? You know what's crazy is with Micah ending his round, I believe he was in the top 10. Yes. And then he dropped all the way down. That's how good everybody is. Mm-hmm. How uh, easy the course scored really the final yeah. round. I mean... I think a lot of that has to do. Yeah. I think a lot of that has to do with the course, which is one of the reasons why I would love to, you know, I'll keep saying it, keep beating a dead horse, but I would love to try to start playing on courses where shooting eight, nine under is really, really tough Yeah, because then if you go out and have a crazy round at the beginning, then, um, Oh, we're getting, we're getting some text messages here on, on the situation. Uh, then you could potentially, um, oh, okay. You could potentially move up that leaderboard early and stay up there, right? Like yeah. if shooting under yeah. par is yeah. challenging, yeah. if you're 
you know, let's say you're 10 under par going into the final day and someone ends up popping off before you and finish that 12. It's not like an all of a sudden like, Oh yeah, I'm going to pass that guy for sure. So that's also one of the reasons too, why I would love to start seeing two Sims or even three Sims. I'm fine with three Sims because I think that also spreads out the tee times. So you could have someone teeing off an hour and a half before you. That's only like two strokes back Yeah. where right now, everyone that is close, like tees off so close together that you never really get, we get it sometimes, right? We saw it with Simon at MVP. We saw it again with Simon at music city. We get sometimes where someone posts Gannon. before Gannon's done it. Um, but it's, it's a lot harder to do when you have four people on the card. All right. Idlewild. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah. <clears throat> I think this is the perfect course for the pro tour to do a match play tournament. Ooh, I like match play. I like match play at this course. Yep. I think that keeps it on tour. Yep. That's I think I'm that saying. keeps it on tour. Yep. Exactly. I think I think it's a little easy now. I think the way it's set up right now, it's it's gonna be very difficult for it. Cause I, I don't think you can throw OB on the course because it is a little bit t- too fluky. And with the tree kicks and yep. stuff, especially on some of those fairways, and if you take the trees out then I think it becomes way too easy. Yep. So I don't think you can litter it with OB. I don't really know how much you, I mean, you can kind of like extend some of the holes I'm sure, but I like match play there. Yep. That would be a sweet and that the men idle wild match play event. That'd be so fun. Every hole, every the other 2023 hole. LWS open at Idaho presented by dynamic disc and the natty match play every hole God, that has a ring to it. It does. That sounds fantastic. You can get like five Eagles out there. Yeah. Like legit. Imagine yeah. a match play tournament. People going OB. all of a sudden people oh throwing in like nobody's out of it. I like that. I like that a Exciting. lot. Exciting. All right. Well maybe, uh, maybe they'll listen to you on that. All right. I think we have it here. We have the winner. Uh, himself, Gannon Burr. We do not. We do not. Have, we do not have the winner. Okay, we will. We will keep moving forward then, um, until he ends up joining here. Uh, there's more stuff that I want to talk about Idlewild, but I have those kind of thrown into Gannon, so we'll kind of wait for that. Okay. Uh, shout out to Ronnie Baker though. Tour Life Crew, five member, five months, a member of Tour Life Crew. Congrats on the fourth place finish, Yuli. You killed it. I appreciate nice. that. Yeah, Ronnie. You've been doing this five months. Yeah. What the heck? Yeah. This is episode 31. What? Yeah. We have, I don't think we've missed a week, too. We might have missed a week. I don't think we have. Someone can, you know, someone in chat can fact check me on that. But I would stick um, one week. Like, I know, but I think I went solo. Yeah, you haven't. Yeah. Um, I'm, weak. I'm weak with the sickness. <laughs> dude, you know, it, it is what it is, brother. Uh, all right, let's talk FPL then while we wait for Gannon to jump on. Uh, Valerie Mandahano, after having the release of her, I would call it a short doc yeah. on YouTube, which is interesting. That's also a question in itself, right? Because you have people that are paying for Disc Golf Network content and then you're releasing it for free later on YouTube. I don't know how people feel about that. I don't know if the content if they care enough about the content to get, you know, be all up in arms about it. Um, but they, they did the, they did the Holy shot and then they did her documentary, uh, which I think they're waiting like a, maybe a month or two months to release them for free on YouTube. So if you haven't watched either one of those, definitely check it out, but she takes it down her fourth win of her career. And she's had such an interesting year because going into this season or, you know, after last season, going into this season, 
she was someone that I would have put as this person can contend at the top. You know, we're looking for more of those top notch players. Now, obviously they're not going to play great every week. You know, the consistency that like Kristen shows and the consistency that Calvin is showing this year, it's very, very hard to find, but we're just looking for more FPO players that can play at that high level and hopefully at a, uh, a greater rate, if you will. And we good. Yep. Oh, give me two minutes. Oh, okay. Sweet. Uh, well, if he's ready, we'll, we'll throw him in here. Uh, and then we'll jump back into FPO once, uh, once we're done, done talking to Gannon, but she's one last, one last thing. She is a person who literally said, I wasn't feeling good going into this tournament. She said that she, yeah, she's like, I, I didn't even want to play. I called my mom, like, get out there and, and do it. And then I want to say to everyone right now, I am not feeling good going into this tournament. <laughs> <laughs> I, love I am it. not and you're right. good. You are. All right. I love that. We got him. Gannon Burr joins the podcast once again. Gannon, mm-hmm. welcome to Tour Life. Yuli's got a question for you right off the bat, though. Put you on the All sp- right. Put you on the spot. Can you give us the name of the tournament that you won this past weekend? The LWS Idlewild Open, presented by Dynamic Discs in the Natty. That was very close. That was so close. That was very that was close. So good. You just put open after Idlewild. It's actually LWS open, but you got way more. You got like 95%. We did not think you would get there, but yes, you got your, the 2023 MPO LWS open at Idlewild presented by diamond disc and the natty winner here. How does that feel, man? How's that sound? Does that sound good? Yeah, that sounds amazing, man. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get, getting the win in the woods was huge for just kind of my mental game, honestly, to tell myself that I have much more to my game than just open bombs and making putts. Yeah, what was that? You mentioned that in a po- uh, post-round interview, I believe, of where you're you're talking about how you know you wanted to prove that you could play, you could win in the woods. Was that more of like an internal thing, like you were trying to prove <clears throat> to yourself, or is that more external, you know, noise that you've heard on the internet and stuff? Yeah, I was kind of trying to like prove it to everyone, I guess, and myself. Um, I, cause I mean, I know I, as the courses progress, I mean, we're going to have, I feel like, you know, some, maybe some more woods or some, just some tighter shots, maybe, um, as we're getting, as everyone's getting better, you know, the courses are obviously getting harder. And, um, I, I don't know. I feel like maybe I've been known for just being, I guess, throwing far. I don't feel like I throw that far actually. Um, but you know, I, th- I throw far enough and maybe a little bit more, uh, more than the average pro on tour right now. But, um, then obviously my putting's really good, but, uh, you know, I, I typically have the most fun in the woods, but it's also, it's always been, been the most difficult for me because I kind of get in this bad headspace of where I get pretty scared to hit a gap, especially backhand where I pretty much just start leaning on the forehand only then. What, uh, what's the scariest tee shot on that course? Oh boy. Um, that's a tough one because a lot of the scary tee shots I end up just throwing forehand through. Um, maybe hole thirteen, which through the V. Yeah. Um, yeah. That par yeah. four through the V was was definitely a little scary for me. It's something that like it fit my throwing style very good. So like slight flex out of the hand with some overstable, and then have it kind of come back left at the end. Um, so that kind of helped my confidence a little bit just on that tee shot. But pro- probably hole thirteen, just because it's a very critical hole. You're coming down the stretch. Um, 
actually i just seen calvin throw out a bounce so i knew i had to make a make a move there and i was able to lace it right down the middle and get the birdie and get two strokes on him so uh it, it felt really good to get that especially with all the danger that's in play on that hole it's weird because when i think if i were to think of gannon for i would picture you more of a woodsy player what about you I wouldn't like, I don't yeah, picture you as like doesn't... an open power guy who's just overpowering courses. I think of like kind of a technical player, really, who's a, who's a great putter, but I, I wonder if other people, yeah, it's, 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 that's why I wanted to know if it was like an internal external thing, because I, I view, I view your game more like of an all around, yeah. right? Like I don't mm -hmm. view you as a specialist. So to me, you, you're in lines with some of the other guys on tour where it's like, I think you can win at every event where there are some people yeah. where I'm like, do not take this guy. Yeah. He is not going to finish well. And it's also funny because talking to other players who, who have been on the podcast, they all have like the same kind of answer to where they're like, you know, AB was on and he's like, well, my favorite, my favorite golf is actually in the woods. That's where I feel like I excel. But to, you know, everybody else, it's like, get him on an open course. We need to get Ezra on him, here. And get Ezra on here. Yeah. He will. He'll give us a different answer. Yeah, <laughs> he, he does not like playing the woods. He's not afraid of saying it either. Um, you mentioned something that I thought was uh, on your, on your Instagram leading into the final round. You mentioned that you were playing against the uh, defending champ in Isaac and, and uh, quite possibly the best that we've ever seen on that course. And also the number one player in the world with Calvin Heimberg. Is that a different kind of pressure knowing that those guys are the, are the guys that are kind of contending at the top versus well, maybe some others. And also Kevin Jones, who's a previous champion. I mean, he's yep, a little bit that, out of there, but I mean, yeah, no, for sure. Big time. Yep. Yeah. Good call. Yeah. So I was kind of funny. I was just talking with, I mean, even Isaac and uh, this, my friend group, obviously Alden, Gavin, Ezra, Silas, kind of just all talking about like, you know, no matter how good I play tomorrow, I just can't win. There's no possible way I can win because <laughs> I have, you know, probably one of the best woods players to ever live in Isaac Robinson. And then obviously Calvin is just, he's been so solid this whole year. It's, it's scary to play against them. And I, I think if I can kind of reverse the narrative, I guess, and get out ahead and making, I mean, making those four circle twos in a row to start the start of the round was huge because I think it kind of uh, not only proved myself, but proved to them that, you know, if I have an opportunity, I'm going to score and they're not going to get a stroke on me. And so it's always my goal when I am in these final round situations on the lead card, battling against the players on the lead card is to kind of get in their heads by just making it seem like if I have an opportunity, I'm not going to mess it up. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, talking about your four circle two putts, what was up with the uh, hole two round one, man? Okay. So taking, yeah. taking, your, taking your only bogey on that hole. Come on, man. You're bearing yep. that. Yep. So uh, I took one bogey. Yeah. <laughs> that was all. Yep. Yep. That was it. I had, um, so for the whole weekend, I had two out of bounds and one bogey. Um, and that whole two round one was one of my out of bounds strokes. So I, I threw a pretty solid roller off the tee. I've been going super flippy, uh, H seven roller off the tee to set up a A2 forehand into the green. Cause it kind of fades away for away from the hill, like kind of into it. So, um, it kind of takes the water out of play a little bit. And then I, I really just didn't commit to it at all through super low. And I left myself outside circle two. Um, so I was like 70 feet, but the basket looked huge. So I was like, <laughs> Oh gosh, I, I got to give it a run. And, uh, I thought I made it out of my hand. It was a little bit windy and hit off the top of the basket, trampolined into a tree. 
Oh, and God. I was like, oh, sick. It sat down. And then, so like Zach Johnson on my card. Well, actually, what happened was I was like, dang, what a terrible reaction. Um, and he's like, I thought it was a pretty good reaction. And I'm like, nope, it just rolled OB. So it ended up rolling OB down the hill. Um, and then obviously my out of bounds on 17 in the final round was also another roll away. So, um, yeah, I, I kind of felt stupid. I remember telling my caddy, like, you know, I'm, I'm bound to take a bogey and then it ended up being kind of just a stupid break. Uh, I mean, probably maybe shouldn't be running that putt anyway, but my putting had felt really good coming into the, into the, uh, the round where I feel like I, w- I wasn't going to miss metal. So I, w- I was willing to take my chances. Going into this tournament with the changes that had been made and obviously with how well everyone's been playing this season, does that also kind of change like the aggressiveness that you have in a putt like that of where you know that there are going to be people every single round shooting double digits that you can't just afford to lay up anymore par, you know, for pars, you need to be trying to give every birdie you can. Yeah. It's kind of like a, another thing, like a mindset transition where, maybe like two years ago, Gannon, um, where people would maybe think like I'd be more aggressive because I was younger and I just wasn't scared of anything. I think it was almost the opposite for me. Um, I think, I think two years ago, Gannon would have laid that putt up. And then I think just because where I'm at now with my circle two putting this season specifically, I feel like I've been given everything a great run and it just feels like it's not like it is worth the risk to go for those kind of shots. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> well, a lot of these putts, a lot of people would be laying up. I'm running them and I'm getting strokes on people because I feel like I can execute the putt in the time. Um, uh, crap. I forgot what I was going to say, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Brody. If you had Gannon's putt, would you be running every putt? Inside? Have you seen my putt recently? 80. Not fire. Okay. So what I you- ran, I ran two circle, two putts on hole two. I was very, very, very impressed with myself. Yeah. But what if you had Gannon's putt? Uh, I would be finishing probably a lot higher. No, would you run every putt from everywhere? It would be tough not to. Right. That's what yeah, I'm saying. Because like, yeah, because when your range, because you just have you just have a lot longer range than most, right? So a putt that, you know, a 40-footer to me probably looks like what a 60-footer to you looks like, right? Yeah, and so yeah. it is it is tough when, even when you have OB and stuff behind, it is tough to to do that, so. Yeah, I, so I, I remembered what I was going to say is um, something that I think is very, like, I don't know, it probably happens in a lot of sports, but uh, just a Calvin's a great example, and I know myself, it, it's even kind of applied to myself, but you can only, like, being aggressive only pays off if you're good enough to do it, um, like, consistently. So kind of a whole I think about is, like, whole 10 at USDGC. It's that like four, four, yeah, 480 OB carry par four that, you know, you can get the Eagle, but if not, you can actually blow up on it uh, because the drop zone is pretty easy, but you, you can definitely mess it up and then it's automatic double or even worse. Um, so that's a whole, I remember in 2021, I wasn't going for because I knew I wasn't good enough where consistently I landed in bounds enough times. Let's say I landed in bounds three out of 10 times. It just wasn't worth it. Um, compared to 2022, I went for it every round, played at 600 par, only, only missed it one round by like a foot. Um, and it was because I was so much better at that shot just in one year, uh, as I progressed. And I felt like if I threw 10 shots, I'd get probably about seven on. So being aggressive only pays off if you're good enough to do it. So kind of the same thing on the putting green. If I have a death putt, it's only worth running the putt if you're good enough to do it. 
Um, and Boy. I feel like that's why that's why we're seeing Calvin excel so much this season is because he's so good at being aggressive and being like like so accurate while he does it. He's going for these shots that you know maybe some other people are going for, but he's landing in bounds and he's executing them at a much higher rate than most yeah. players. <clears throat> and that's kind of just like what I've kind of seen myself transition towards very slowly. And so for myself, there are aggressive plays that are, they do pay off for me. Um, obviously if it gets too crazy, I'm not going to do it still, but, um, yeah, that's pretty much kind of what I've been seeing with the disc golf recently. Yeah. I think too, you brought up Calvin. I think one thing that the reason why he's been so consistent as well is not only is he able to consistently hit shots and putts, uh, more so than others, but when he doesn't, his misses aren't nearly as drastic as others, right? Like when he misses, he misses by a little bit. Uh, you don't really see him airballing putts that often. You don't really see him throwing shots way offline. And uh, I think that's what you need, you know, to be consistent on these courses week in, week out. That's what you need. Um, all right. So this was your third elite win of the season. Coming into it, if I told you that, you know, at the beginning of the season, it's like, hey, going into the playoffs, you're going to have three elite wins. Would you be happy with that? Or, you know, what what level of uh, of uh, expectations would that would that reach for you? Yeah. So coming into the season, I set a goal of either either uh, two elite series wins or a major or obviously, I mean, obviously I'm trying to win as much as I can, but that was kind of the, the threshold I'd be happy with. Okay. Um, and so. I've only played one major this year and it was at a wooded course and you know, I, that I, I have played well in the past. I mean, I've two solid finishes at champions cup. I have a fifth place last year and a seventh this year. Um, but I has never really been a contention. Uh, and then obviously I didn't go to European open. So to, uh, I mean, we still have the majors coming up, obviously the, you know, these last like four or five tournaments are going to be pretty huge titles. Um, and so it, it kind of feels nice to be heating up and already have those three wins with um you know with uh, the big tournaments coming up in the season so uh, you know hopefully hopefully i can do what i did last year close out real strong if i could get one of the majors that'd be that'd be really huge i'm obviously looking at usdgc as it plays to my game very well playing safe and throwing just mid ranges really far and staying in between the lines and making putts um and then i've also played pretty solid at gmc in the past so i'm I'm looking forward to worlds. They're definitely, it's probably my favorite like dual property or dual course property in the world uh, to play at just such a great mix. Brewster ridges, great wooded, great wooded mix. And it complements Fox run. Amazing. Um, Fox runs definitely more of that course where I can see myself shooting really good. So hopefully I can, you know, play, play solid at both courses and play a consistent five rounds and maybe and get myself my first chance at a world title. Nice. Um, let's talk about this glow disc golf round that went down, yeah. uh, during, during the second round, uh, before we, before we get actually into what, what transpired there, your card was actually put on the clock that round, uh, where they had a PDJ <coughs> official come up to you guys, let you guys know that your pace of play is too slow and that you're on the clock. This is like a new thing that the PGA is also looking to even uh, extend more into the future with new, the new rules coming out. Uh, how did that change kind of, or, or did it change anything as far as people walking to their disc faster? Uh, maybe people not lollygagging around when they're like getting scores. Did, did anything change once that kind of was placed? Um, I know, I know a lot of, uh, 
three of uh, the four are probably pretty frustrated on the card about that call. Um, I, we were told on hole nine to speed up. It wasn't like an official warning or anything. It was me, Gavin Babcock, Aaron Gossage, and Evan Scott. Evan Scott was definitely the one player that wasn't ever in issue of taking too long. Uh, but me, me, Aaron, Gavin, definitely like, you know, I, I know I've, I've definitely improved my time, but, you know, when we feel a little suffocated in the woods and you have to execute a little more precisely, you do take a couple extra seconds. And um, I, I end up getting kind of just verbally just told like, hey, man, speed up by a PDJ official on hole four. And I was really confused, actually, because I hadn't felt like I had taken slow at all. And I asked my card mates and they didn't think so either. And then as we got to hole nine, our whole card kind of got warned and you know, Gavin Babcock just straight up said, like, is there a certain player on the card that's taking longer? And he said, no, a majority of the card. So it was kind of like a group effort, except for Evan, that was taking, I guess, just a little bit longer. But the part was a little confusing is we teed off 20 minutes after the chase card. And the issue was, is that we were a hole and a half behind the chase card. And I was like, well, do we want to be backed up? Like, you know, what's the, I guess, what's the point in that, you know, 20 minutes, we're, we're going to finish a hole and a half in that time. So I didn't really see what the issue was. And then I officially got warned for time. Uh, so I got a time violation uh, warning on hole 12. Um, it's kind of, it was kind of weird call. I just, the rule is kind of weird to where it's, and it's kind of stupid that it's, it's different based on the PDJ official. And I've heard it multiple times from different PDJ officials and they all do it differently. Uh, I know the specific one that was on my card does it when you've addressed your lie. So basically like if you get within like, I don't know, five feet of your lie and you know where you're, where you're going to throw like that, he starts the clock immediately. And I was, so I had a blind shot and I was in like a pile of rocks. So kind of like a weird lie. My footing wasn't amazing. And so I got to my lie, kind of looked at it, ran up and then ran back just to go look and then throw my shot. And I went back and watched my shot and it was under 30 seconds, but I got called for the violation because of, I'd already seen where my lie was at and I'd already addressed it basically. And now I talked to him after the round and he's basically like, you know, if you go back to your bag at all for a new, new disc or a different disc, because you change your, your mind, you basically broken the rule. And it just feels a little bit weird. And I, I kind of felt yeah. rushed. And I, I started going on a par stretch. I got like four pars in a row. Obviously birdied 16. It's an easy birdie, but I got into a couple of tricky spots in the woods where I literally felt so scared to get my violation, my actual stroke for it, where I'd be in a really tricky spot. And I just have to kind of chuck it immediately because I got really scared and I ended up missing a couple of putts and just feeling like, you know, I would maybe be like that 22nd mark, but I'd kind of slowly be like, in the back of my head, knowing that I could get called. And I just was like, you know, I'm not going to have that happen. So um, I, it, to me, it seems like the PGA is kind of going about like, if they're doing that to me, it seems like they're going about it the wrong way because I I've always said that I don't want people to randomly like run into the woods and just chuck a disc out yeah. because they're worried about the time. Um, I posed this question to Aaron who, you know, was on the card and I'm curious to see what your answer was. If I would if I would have walked up to you guys at the beginning of the round and offered each one of you $25,000 to play faster to where you weren't going to get a time violation like that, do you think there would and again, I'm not talking simply that you're just walking up to your disc and just chucking it. I'm I'm asking like the walk from your tee shot uh, people being ready to go. If you know that you threw your shot in the woods, you walk a little quicker. So you get up there before everyone else does. That's what I'm talking about. Do you think if, 
if offered $25,000, each person on the card would have done something a little bit differently uh, to maybe play faster? I mean, obviously, yeah, probably. Um, I feel like we were doing pretty good. I mean, our, our card just threw more shots, it felt like. I mean, we were, we were just taking more throws, and we had a couple throws, like, kind of go rough in the woods. We had, like, multiple out-of-bounds throws. So... I know we had a couple like weird out of bounds scenarios that just took, you know, that extra 30 seconds. And when you're throwing, you know, I, I did the calculations, our card uh, for the round ended up taking nine more strokes than the chase card did. Um, and you know, that's, that's, you know, that can add up to like 10, 10 minutes about of 10, 15 minutes about, because, you know, maybe you're off the fairway as one of your strokes. So not yeah. only did you throw, you know, 30 more seconds throwing your shot, you also took 45 seconds just to like maybe locate your disc and find your disc. And especially at a course like Idlewild, like I've ran in this before where I've been on a card where, you know, I'm not necessarily playing super fast either, but, um, you know, I, I remember specifically it was, it was got, it got ridiculous to where we were, we were like five holes behind the chase card, but it was at mid America open. And I think my, my card ended up playing the front nine, like, like 10 over or something. And so, and not, and it wasn't just like we were just throwing more shots because we were like, it was maybe like missing putts. Like it would like, you'd kick super far in the woods, have to go find your disc and throw. And so it's kind of that situation all over again. It felt a little bit, I don't know. We, all, everyone on the car was kind of frustrated with the call, honestly. Yeah. Um, I think people walk slow. I think people walk yeah, slow. Yeah. They yeah. Do. I feel like I do a pretty good job about like getting my disc fast. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm actually very eager to get to my lie because I want to see what I have. Like I'm, I'm always like, I've even like pulled up the live coverage as I'm on like a lead car just to see where I land because I want to know where I'm at. Um, and so I, I feel like I'm always pretty much leading the pack of my card. And, you know, we were a young card. We were kind of anxious to, just to get to our throw. So I feel like we played, I feel like we played at a fine pace. I, I didn't see any issue. And if, and if, I, if we, if there was an issue, I would have been honest about it. Yeah. A few things that, I kind of want to unpack here because I, I didn't like that that happened at all. First thing is, who's warning a whole card? And if they're warning a whole, whole card, then why didn't you get stroked when you got warned again? So that's yeah. the first thing that is absolutely ridiculous to me. If you're going to do that. Once like, you're on the clock, you should get strokes for exactly. being yeah. So like it, wasn't, it yeah. wasn't a real thing. And here's And here's where it is frustrating for me. This is what happened, I think. Or it's my assumption of what was going on. They had the late tea time and they wanted to get the round in. And so they're trying to push you guys up the fairway so you guys could finish your round. That's what I think was going yeah, on. Yeah, there would have been no which, issue if which, daylight was not an issue, you know. Right. And so with that yeah. being said, I, I agree with that because they definitely right. have let cards be four cards behind and not set anything. Exactly. So now you're warning people so that you you can get the round finished. Like I I get that, but that but you cannot it needs to be consistent from tournament to tournament. It yes, can't be exactly. Yeah. You cannot be making up rules, which this, this, is a made, this is a made up rule. Like I'm, I'm warning the whole card, even though Evan Scott didn't, yeah. wasn't slow. Like you can't do that. You cannot, you can't put Evan Scott into the mix of being like, yeah. And you're warned too. It's like, wait, what did I do? Well, and right after they warn the whole card, right? This is where I think they need Ga to change the rule. Gavin walks up and just chucks the shot straight. Like straight away, like yeah. rushes it and loses a shot right there. I remember watching it like later because I had to um, commentate on it, obviously. And that's the one thing that I'm frustrated with is like they're pushing an agenda to speed you guys up so that you get the course done. But in fact, 
it's not like you guys were taking longer than everybody for the whole tournament. Was your card yeah. slower than every card that played the whole tournament? No, but because you have officials on that card. And you're the pushing, last card. And you're the yeah. last card, and you're pushing this agenda. Yeah. Like, that, that's just not cool to me. Yeah, there's, like, a couple things I want to say is, like, I mean, the issue with the 30-second rule, too, is, like, I, I hate whenever people, the officials are like, oh, yeah, I gave you a little bit of leeway on that. I'm like, well, that, that's not the rule. The rule is 30 seconds. Yeah, like that's why that rule I think just needs to yeah. go away, it, or I, or just make it a minute, like a minute. We're playing for thousands of dollars, and like that can mean a lot to I mean everybody, but especially specific, uh, specific people. And it's like, you know, when you're in this scenario, it's a lot harder to play fast when you have a very difficult shot ahead of you. Maybe the wind picks up, maybe there's somebody walking next to you. Um, I remember like one one shot, one drive I had, like a cameraman like wouldn't quit walking, and he was like exactly perpendicular with the t-pad and he like was walking down and i was already 15 seconds in my routine and he's 10 he's five feet away from me like and i'm not allowed to stop so it's just like let's yeah. either get rid of it or make it a minute so there's no there's no issues because i'm not going to purposely take longer if i have in a more allotted time i'm not i'm not going to stall on purpose i was like you know i could have just taken five minutes on my shot i got warned on because it wouldn't like you know and then another thing that kind of goes into this rule which i think is absolutely ridiculous is hey guess what there's no distractions anymore like That's once, stupid. Yeah. once your time starts it's time for you to go so you're telling me like if it's my turn and somebody just had the same lie as me they throw and then all of a sudden a gorilla runs out and runs across <laughs> like like just gorilling it up all all the way across the fairway like i can't wait for that to happen yeah. the, the, like the, it's, that's the, ridiculous the the time thing is so silly too because I don't want people to take thirty seconds on a ten foot putt and take thirty seconds for a shot that is in yeah. the woods through a tight gap over yeah. water that they've never been before like that those two yeah. shots shouldn't take the same time so hopefully yeah, I, was, I was gonna say like I'm not yeah, I'm not gonna yeah I'm not gonna take you know nobody's taking thirty seconds on a, a tap and no and it like. I don't even think that's where the time is, no. though. That, yeah, it's, me, it's not. I, th you know, it's I, think it's, like, I think it's the walking. I think it's the we're playing people, people talking uh, on the yeah. T-pad and then being like, oh, I got scores. Oh, I'm sorry. Like, all yeah. these things add up to where, you know, I finish my first round and I go through the entire autograph line, probably about 15, 20 minutes, and no one has finished 18 yet. Yeah. Like, we finished three holes in front of whoever was behind us. And I get it. Like at the beginning of the round one, you're going to have bad players mixed in to where they're shooting 15, 20 over par. It's not happening as much sure. anymore. No, um, but we'll see. All right, we'll move on. Well, last thing. Yeah. The gorilla scenario, little not going to happen probably this year. Yeah. Yeah. But I'll what happens when there's a little baby crying behind? I can't wait for, for like the parents yeah. to get the kid and take them away or that sometimes there's dogs and they're running around. Like these are real scenarios yeah, these, that happen they, where like the crowd's yeah. moving or something, or there's a cameraman trying to get in. It just needs to be, don't, don't have a huge gap. That's it. Yeah. Because just this, literally don't have a yeah. huge gap in between the card in front of you. And that's it. If well, you just do that, we're fine. Well, what about this one? This happened to me this year where they're like, well, we need the camera to get in position. And it's yes, like, well, that's it's, the worst. It's, it's oh time for gosh. me to throw. Like now I got a time yeah. violation. No, because we're waiting for that. I mean, you guys have yeah. to deal with spectators. There's a lot, there's a lot of stuff too on lead card that you have to deal with that others don't. The whole time thing it's, is ridiculous. Yeah, it's, that's definitely been an issue I've dealt with on lead cards a lot is the uh the cameraman taking forever to get into place. Like 
I get to the tee pad. I'm on the tee pad, and he's only halfway to where he needs to be. And you I remember, the, stroked. yeah, the, it's, it's, please stroke me. And then I was like, the PHA <laughs> the official was like, you, do, you, do you want me to like stop the crowd? I'm like, no, I'm waiting for the guy down there. Like, and you know, it's like it's not even fair because you know, let's say someone on fourth card's on a tear. There's no PDJ official on their card. You know, maybe like the yeah. PGA officials are only on the top two or three cards. It's not even they, like they need to be looking at you yeah. and seeing like, yeah. oh, this card is four holes behind, whatever. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it is a problem. I'll continue to say it's a problem. It's a problem every time we go anywhere. So, uh, but let's talk about what this ended up happening. Yeah. Because uh, I think this is also a problem as well. How and why did you guys decide to play in the dark on Saturday? Like how did, did someone, did, did someone come up and ask like how talk to me, like walk me through how, how the decision was made. Yeah. I'll kind of walk through everything a little bit. <clears throat> I know. So for myself, I was staying about 25 minutes away with Silas Schultz and we don't have cars and I don't have a license. And we had to come back at seven uh, thirty in the morning and we're 25 minutes away and I had no way to get to the course. Um, that was my issue. I obviously would have got an Uber if I had to, but it just kind of felt like a mess. And I was like, you know what? I, I, we knew it was going to be like basically pitch black and the cameras did an incredible job of pulling the light. Um, when we in person, I, I know when we got to 18 could not see a single thing. The second it left her hand, I had no idea if I peered it, shanked it left, shanked it right too much. Anheuser, you know, we, we had no idea. We were just listening at that point. Uh, but we got, we got past hole 15 and it was obviously really dark in the woods. And, um, you know, the official, the PJ officials and DGPT staff was kind of like, you know, you guys can kind of just do whatever you want to do, however long you want to go, which I actually really appreciated. That was very nice of them. Um, and so we were like, you know, we're going to get to 16 and we're gonna have plenty of light, you know, it's wide open. There'll be no issue on light, at least on that hole. And obviously the sun had set for about 10 minutes. So kind of just have that like light that's kind of lingering, but it goes by, it goes away pretty fast. Um, and we obviously had a par five and two more, you know, difficult holes to play. Uh, but they end up blowing the horn to stop. And I'm like, really, that, that's stupid. Now I'm, I were really frustrated, but I checked you disc and we're the only, they chase card had just tapped out. And I think they blew it af just after they tapped out on 18. And at that point, we're like, you know, it almost feels more unfair to us if we have to come back in the morning to play a round and have to play, you know, a, a second round. It was a bad situation for everyone. Yeah. That, there, yeah. there was yeah. no, there was no good, there was no good solution. Yeah, yeah. And we we kind of decided that it'd be better. We all decided, you know, we're a bunch of young guys on the on the league card, so we're kind of just go with the flow attitude. Um, and we were, we were just like, you know, what? we're going to, we're going to get through 16. We're going to finish it out. We get to 17. You can't even see anything. We were like, I was like, Hey, I'm throwing a purple disc. Everyone listen up. And we had the spectators were amazing. They had flashlights that would track them down after through our drives. And we ended up playing 17, one under par without being able to spill anything. And then 18 was terrifying because we literally could not see a thing. I mean, it was, it was pitch black outside. Um, and I was able to get away with a tap in par, which felt amazing. Uh, but we kind of just kind of decided, you know, it'd be worse for us if we had to come back in the morning, because I know for myself, sleep is so important and maybe I might lose one stroke on these last two holes. I hadn't been getting the Eagle on 16 anyway. Um, and I was like, you know what, if I can play the last two holes, even like maybe at worst I lose one stroke. Um, and I was like, you know, that's, that's more valuable to me than being only able to sleep like, you know, six hours during that night and have my focus be interrupted for the final round that actually really mattered. 
you know, you can, so, you know, we, we all kind of decided that that was, was, was going to be best. And I think Aaron was pretty much the only player that kind of got punished by getting off the fairway and then not having a great lie. Um, but, you know, it, it was just a decision we made. It's, we, we felt it was what's going to be best for us, you know, and I remember waking up in, in my bed that the next morning, I was like, I'm so glad we finished. So I think, firstly, I don't think the PDGA or the Disc Golf Pro Tour should let the players decide. One, because I yeah. think that puts players in a weird spot. If you are someone that doesn't want to play in the dark and you're just like, I really can't see, I don't feel comfortable. It puts that person in a really weird spot when the other three people on the card are like, no, yeah. let's go, let's play, let's play. So I yeah. think the Disc Golf Pro Tour, I don't, I don't like the idea because initially when they sent out that email, it looked like very it was very clear that after 815 don't start a hole yep if no. you if you could play a hole after 815 or if you were playing a hole after 815 and you wanted to finish that hole that's fine but do not start a new hole after 815 i guess they just threw that out the out the door yeah um, yeah they threw it away on like hole, we were like hole seven and then they reminded us like hey we're actually gonna extend the, the whatever and i agree like if if you know three players in the card wanted to finish and then the one didn't that would be unfair luckily everyone on my card was like yeah we're gonna finish we're all 100 percent in for it so um and there's obviously no one else on the course but definitely that would definitely be an issue like um you know if there was like another couple cards on the course that'd be that definitely be bad and the other thing i would say is just like from the production and the product side i know a lot of people were like this is so cool and obviously we showed the gavin babcock blowing uh, uh bringing out a glow disc which is obviously a crazy a crazy uh photo um but <clears throat> yeah this was cool one time sure <laughs> but this <laughs> didn't from it, we hope it never happens again basically and and for it to never happen again like the the pro tour and pdj whoever it is needs to step in to make sure it doesn't happen again because i know obviously some people are gonna be like oh brody such a bad take like that was such a cool moment and it's like okay that's fine but this would be stupid if we saw this <laughs> oh, uh, throughout the season. I was praying that you guys had to come back. I was praying. <laughs> I was like, please make them wake up at 6 a.m. Which, <laughs> which leads me to what's this driver's license situation? What what, what are you waiting for? What, what's it, do you is this like a strategy move just to not have to drive and like uh, Alden has to drive you? So you, so you can just be a passenger. What's what's the deal here? Yeah, I just I remember I, I same thing with my permit. I didn't get my permit till pretty late. Um, I didn't really have any reason to drive, and then uh, I want to drive now. I want to get a car and you know be independent and be able to get places because I I don't want to have to like burden my friends to take me places and stuff. But you know I you know went back home to Des Moines for the Des Moines Challenge and like we had a plan to try to get everything figured out and it just it really just never happened. Like get my passport situation figured out um, and we i had to do a couple like more steps before i could do something and kind of everything was booked up before i had to leave again and we're you know we're just like we're gonna handle it in the off season so next year i'll definitely have a license a passport a car so um, the dmv is like a is a <clears throat> yeah it's not a place you want to hang out yeah so i'll definitely be going to europe next year i'll have my own car be a little more independent so i i'm looking forward to that you can't drive to europe by the way no, I'm, I'm going, like I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm in an underwater car. <laughs> um, I thought this was a pretty good tweet by myself. Uh, so I'm just going to shout myself out on this tweet. <laughs> okay. Uh, I said, this is my bag for Idlewild next year. Oh, um, I like that. Which was just a glow in the dark, a glow in the dark bag. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's clear. It was a cool experience. I think people thought it was Wanted. cool. 
Uh, but yes, let's make that a one and done uh, situation. All right. We've got a few more things for you here uh, before we let you go. Um, I don't know. I know we can go deep into this, so let's not go deep into this, but I, I have two videos I want to see and I just want to get your reaction, but give me like a 20 seconds of your reaction. So size play the first clip for Gannon here. Okay. And then play the uh, second clip now. That was the second one. And then, okay. So 20, 20 seconds or under what, what, what anything to say about baskets? Let's you got 20 seconds to talk about baskets. Yes. We need to have a standard for baskets. hundred percent. Um, I'm not hating on DD, but you know, very typically we see the most spit outs on that, that type of, you know, the veteran basket. Um, I, I think we need to have more chains on the pole. Obviously I do put hard. So if I do get more spit outs, it's, it's, there's a reason for it, but you know, I feel like a putt like that shouldn't be spitting out. Um, especially when it gets really windy out. And then the one where it scoops out of the cage, we've seen that happen. I've seen it happen to Greg Barsby. It just seems like faulty equipment at that point where it's not even fair. Like, can you imagine if these putts were for the win and how much, how much that's that what Trevor your, wants. Yeah, Trevor, could, Trevor wanted yeah. that putt of yours to be for the win. He can't <laughs> wait for someone to have a spit out like that for the win. Cause then I think that's the only way that they're going to change. Yeah. yeah. It's just kind of, right? it's just kind of wild happen. to me. It's going to happen. Yeah. It's going to happen eventually. I mean, it kind of happened to Aaron at, at Portland. I mean, yeah. Hole 16. It was, was on hole 16, but yeah, I get, that uh, that was a lot of momentum that he lost and you know he could have almost had that locked up obviously he didn't get up and down on 18 that was an issue but like you know maybe you could say that shouldn't even happen in the first place you know he shouldn't have had that have to worry about that um you know i i just specifically with the the veteran baskets it's just been kind of an, an ongoing issue that we've seen for like two years now i know they redid them but they didn't really make them any better i felt like personally um, cause they're slick chains. I think it's only, it's only two rings of chains that are only 26 chains. So it's kind of slightly under everything. Someone just said, did you listen to the interviews today? New baskets, 2025. Oh, Hey, um, new baskets, 2025. All right. They're, they're making something. <clears throat> so we'll see. I hope um, we get a test them out. You just uh, need to yeah. put Gannon right there and just have we him just, start firing. Just, 30 feet just, away is like Gannon just fire away. Yeah. Chains on the pole. That's all I'm asking for is something on the pole where that's not going to spit out. I get it if it like stalls in the chains and like pops out just by like the chains swinging. But like, like my putt didn't even have a chance. There was like, I'm on a knee. I'm not getting a ton of power on it. It's just like there's there was no hope for that putt. It didn't even try to stay in because it directly hit the pole through a gap in the chains. That's faulty equipment and it came right back out. All right, last question I got for you uh, before we jump into pet peeves. Do you have anything you want to tell us about what kind of discs you might be throwing next year? I the answer is I have no idea. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Um, any new pet peeves? Anything? Uh, anything since last time you were on? This is too bad because I I, I wish I, I like made a notes page for this because I didn't know I was going to be on the show. But <laughs> um, I don't know. I I don't know if I said it before, but probably my biggest disc golf pet peeve is when you play a terrible round and then <clears throat> you 
you go sign autographs and you kind of don't want to and but you want you know people drove a long way to come see you play so that's really important to you know have a good uh, good interaction with the fan and you know i i just um everyone's trying to troll me right now <laughs> okay <laughs> okay one second now okay all right, we're gonna go. We're gonna go. We're gonna go selfie mode. Um, but whenever you shoot, oh, a on the move. Oh heck yeah, we're, we're on the move. Hopefully the weapon. Where the heck are out. you right now? Because you like had an art piece behind you. It looks like uh, you were in a museum. We're we're in a church right now. Oh okay. All right. Uh okay. So whenever you play a really bad round, and you go sign a disc, and someone's like, "Hey man, nice round today." I'm just like, you clearly did not look at the score, and you don't know my <laughs> expectations. Oh. Um, <laughs> That's we, need, we need a big scoreboard. We need, yeah. big scoreboard. we need scoreboards or like uh, eventually hopefully have every uh, every card have like the thing. But like when they're walking off and it's like Ganon plus nine, like everyone's like, ooh, maybe yeah. don't want to talk to him. Uh, you want to ask your question? No, I think that's changed a or anything? one and done. We'll do it next year. Yeah. Oh, no, right. what's, well, no, what's the question? I need to hear the question. Well, he was just going to ask about like, you know. About like who who do you like right now on the tour? Like what, well, you're probably going to say Alden because, you know, he's, a, he's your ride and you don't want to get like left behind right now. So yeah. you probably have to throw Alden in there. Or... I, I don't know. I, I, I like uh, pretty much everybody. I feel like there's definitely players I like. I'd who do you not be... like? Oh, that might be a better whoa. question. I'm gonna be completely honest. There's not really one player on tour I like don't like. I I definitely would rather be with other people, but there's not a player on tour I just specifically your, don't like. Out of your whole friend group, yes. who's the best who, driver? And who's oh. the worst driver? Uh, well, Silas just got his license, and he's terrible at driving. <laughs> um, the best driver, honestly, I think Gavin. Right. Gavin's pretty wow. solid. Gavin's very aware. His band's a little smaller, but he's a very aware driver. And he, he typically he does a pretty good job of keeping us safe and being very aware of what's happening on the road. So that's nice. We'll see it. We'll see it on the track. Then we'll go do some go-karts and see who actually is the best yeah. driver. Uh, but there you have it. Your 2023 LWS open at Idaho presented by dynamic disc and the natty winner, Gannon Burr. Gannon, thanks yeah. for joining us as always, brother. Thank you for having me. <laughs> good luck this week. Thank you. You too, guys. All right. See you again. See ya. All right. Uh, that interview was brought to you by the Heiser Club and the Tour Life Crew. If you're uh, unaware of these two, the Heiser Club, these are these are two ways that you can support the podcast, right? So you can either become a member of the Heiser Club, which is uh, on patreon.com slash foundation disc golf, or you can also be a member of the Tour Life Crew. Now, the Heiser Club... Uh, you can actually get a seven day free trial right now. So if you just want to kind of see and see all the benefits and all the extra weekly podcasts you get, you get an extra monthly video, you get discounts when you shop on foundation disc. Also, we have the Heiser club championships coming up, which I'm really excited about. Oh, wow. I believe that's right before us USCGC. So I'll be there for the Heiser club championships. It's a, it's our time to actually have like a big tournament with all of our uh, Heiser club members. Uh, but you can also become a member on the tour life crew and you'll probably see if you're, if you watch us live here on YouTube, you'll see people in the chat where they've got like cool names, uh, colors and uh, logos next to it, badges. If you will, uh, you can become a member on YouTube right here just by clicking the join button down below. Um, you'll receive a loyalty badge. You'll stand out in chat like P wheat 23 TLC right there. 
And also, we're going to mess around. I want to mess around with maybe some future uh, Tour Life uh, crew-only live streams where it's going to be maybe a, more of an intimate Q&A, if you will. So, I like that. Um, all right. Let's finish up real quick on FPO because we kind of ran through that real quick. Uh, FPO, I, can you can you real quick, size pull up? I, I got we got to talk about the trophy. Can you pull up the uh, the one that again stays consistent with my thought that uh, people are just going in their garages and they're just like finding something and being like, oh, this this would be a good trophy. Yep. A propeller. Now, granted, your dad probably has to be like your grandfather or something has to be like a pilot for this to probably be in your garage, but that that could be in your garage. I, that's the only place where you're going to be able to put that thing after you win the tournament. But we're staying consistent. We're staying consistent on um, trophies that are found in garages. Imagine like a hundred years from now and like somebody like Calvin who just wins uh, so many tournaments. <laughs> Somebody like finds his old garage and there's just like, like, dude, this, and, like he has a like, sword, a <laughs> uh, big old, it's the biggest pack axe. rat of all time. Yeah. He has a propeller, a bear. Now the other trophy, I like the other trophy. The other trophy is good. Uh, that this one is more, that's more my cup of tea. I, I like that. You can put that somewhere and, and it'd be nice. Um, but like we said, Valerie takes it down. This is going to be very interesting. Now we wanted her to be on the show, but she has an early tea time tomorrow. So she wasn't able to make it. I wanted to ask her about, you know, what, who she thinks right now is a, who she thinks right now at the top of FPO can compete for worlds against Kristen. Cause right now all the money is on Kristen to, to repeat at worlds. Yeah. I think she now is in that conversation, especially with the courses out at worlds. I'm curious. I was curious to see kind of who else she thought, might be in there because right now we haven't really seen the consistency with the top players. You know, if you go on this FPO side, some of the, some of the names that I was really interested to like kind of seeing like Sayananda, I was really curious after her start and winning earlier this season at Texas States. Uh, she shoots 25 over par uh, ends up being 36. was that 36 shots off the lead. Um, and then you have Katrina Allen not cashing, shooting 19 over par. Um, let's see what other names you got here. Those were probably like the two big ones. Alexis Manahano was pushing a little bit, ended up not having the greatest uh, finish, uh, shooting 12 strokes worse from round one to round two. Um, and then we saw Owen Scoggins. That's that's also I would say I would put Owen in the mix for Worlds. I like Owen a lot at Worlds. Um, and I think most of us at home watching are really rooting for not a blowout. I don't yeah. want to know that Kristen's going to win worlds after day three, but Man. we might, we might, might, it might have to happen, <laughs> but, uh, no, I think you hit it on the nose. I think, I think owns the most consistent right now and she's going to be in the mix. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be close, but she'll be in the top four. Hmm. I think for sure. Yeah. Over five rounds. I just can't see her not being in the top four. Um, She's playing really good. One of the things with uh, Valerie too is, you know, coming off that injury pretty quickly gets back in the winner's circle. Yep. That tells us that like, if there is anybody, cause we've got to see the rest of the FPO field play all year. Mm-hmm. Valerie comes, gets a win. Can she be the one? 
to be able to have that consistency to push um, Kristen. You know, that's I'm curious about that because obviously she's probably not even 100% yet. Val- Valerie. Especially with the rust, right? right. Like you, you got to think that she's still trying yeah. to get back to that. Yeah. And so maybe there's an extra gear in there. Mm. And I, this weekend's going to be kind of wild to see who, who I, I, I can't. Say it's crazy who, when Kristen's on the field. It's yeah. like, I have I no idea. I have no idea. <laughs> like this could be the weekend for Hall and Hanley. This could for be the sure. weekend for Ella Hansen. Like yep. two players Absolutely. that on a bigger course have been, have but shown respect OB everywhere too. It could just be like everybody blows up and, and it's like 10 over wins. Yeah. And you're like, I have no idea. Tomorrow's weather is going to be bad. Yeah. It is going to be bad for the whole day. Uh, yeah. I mean, we, we might not even play in the afternoon. The thunderstorms oh, wow. are rolling in. Uh, so let's lead into it. Let's lead into D playoffs playoffs. Uh, no one has any idea about the playoffs. I, I I'm going to jump into that in a second, but I want to say, I think this is cool. And I wish they actually would talk about this because initially, uh, Aaron, Ezra and myself, we were trying to guess like, okay, you know, D glow. This is like Discraft's biggest yeah. event. You know what Discraft players are going to be on feature card, right? We were trying to like guess. And then, uh, it turns out only one was, and we we're like, what? That's weird. You know why it's not weird is because they're doing something really cool for this event. They are putting people. So size, if you can pull up the MPO feature card, they are putting people in order of their disc golf pro tour rankings. Makes so much sense. So why you are playing yep. with, Makes um, so sense. I can't remember who, the name. Robert Burridge. Yep. Garrett Gerthy. Garrett Gerthy. Yep. You're playing with all people. Eric Oakley. You're playing with all people right next to you in yep. the, in the, in the standings. Uh, so that's why you'll see on Lee on Lee uh, feature card one, I guess, Calvin Heinberg, Gannon Burr, Isaac Robinson, Ricky Wysocki. And then on the second feature card, you have Kyle Klein, I believe James Proctor, Eagle McMahon and Anthony Barella. I love that. I think this is a great idea. I think this makes it a little bit more different than other events yeah. were. And I love that. They didn't just do it on feature cards. If they just did it on feature cards and everyone else was random, that'd be kind of lame. But all the, the way down the line, the T the first tea time tomorrow, uh, tomorrow are the people that are in last, like the lowest points. Yep. And it goes all the way up. So I think that's a great, great change. Now things I don't like about the playoffs that I don't make any sense to me is I don't think you can have a playoff and not play at all in the regular season and not play at all. What do you, Oh yeah. 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 Uh, yeah you no. have Manubu Kaijiyama. Am I saying that right? Manubu Kashiyama pretty close. You said, you said with the S C H I, I don't Kashiyama? know. Oh, it could be. I think it's Kashiyama. Okay. That's the way I've always heard it, but I, I could be completely. Okay. I think That's definitely not what it Kashiyama. looks like spelling wise, but I, I'll lean on you. Who's probably said the name more than I have. And That's probably heard, said it. Probably heard here. it more than I have. I probably watched um, it. He is competing for the first time since 2019 in the United States in the and playoffs. He, and he's also playing a couple other events too, which is exciting, but I to me, you, you have Kristen Tatar that's not even playing. Doesn't matter. You have someone that didn't play at all, all season, and then they're playing. I get it. They do have exemptions for international players, and I get it. They have exemptions for um, they blew, injuries they, they and they stuff. Blew this one. But, like, your, this is the weird This is the weird one. Yeah. I want to see him play, though. I will say me being, like, they, the playoffs need to be back, back. 
Like worlds shouldn't be part of. Yeah, what are we doing? That that world, that's any, weird. Everybody gets to play, and do they get points? No. Oh no. yes. No worlds, you get points. Yes. You have to see you don't but get what points. It, but you. But some people can't play this one, but they can play worlds. That's weird. Yeah, like you're ah, not. You blew, You, you could basically. I think you could not qualify for this one because this yes. one's in the top eighty. Mm-hmm. You could not qualify this one. Go win a world championship, and then qualify for the next playoffs. Yep. No, no, and just be in the finals. Oh yeah, you just be in because you won a tournament. Yep. Yeah, it's it. it the, I'm not a fan. They got to figure it out because right now, you like, earn your spot into the playoffs. Also, let's go playoffs, playoffs, championship. Yes, Why are we yes. having tournaments in between? Oh, weird. This this makes no sense. Um, weird. Kinks, yeah, kinks have to be worked out. Yeah, it, it's a work in progress. It's a definitely a work in progress. And I, I would tell you this: players don't care. We don't care about the playoffs. We're not like, I don't think anyone's coming to this event being like, oh my God, it's the playoffs. Nope. Like because, you would in other sports. Because of the way that it's set up. We have a world championship right after exactly. this. That's what everyone's thinking about. That's what I'm saying. But this <laughs> world championship should be this weekend. And then the playoffs should start. I don't even like USDGC where it is. I think those all should be at the beginning. Push everything in front of the playoffs. Like have the tour championship, the playoffs and the tour championship be the end. Do you get points at... Um, USDGC. No. All right. Well, there you go. Who cares? <laughs> I know, but it's, you're still playing it before the tour championship. It's weird. It's weird. That's all I'm going to say. It's weird. Uh, let's talk about course changes and size. If you can pull up uh, the caddy book there so you can maybe throw that up for There's our million live listeners. I'm going to run through them as fast as I can. And then we'll touch on the ones that 18 are 18 holes. No, no, no. I'm just kidding. Uh, we're gonna touch on the ones that are more important, but I'm just gonna run through them real quick. Okay. Cause I've got a little, like, you know, I got my little cliff notes. Hole one, OB on the right, two basket locations. Hole two, two basket locations. Hole three, OB on the right and OB short of the basket now for approach shots. Hole seven, it's gonna take Silas a little bit to get there. Oh look at that! Look at that speed by Silas! My goodness, uh, OB on the right hand side. Hole eight. OB on the right and left side and also backside of the green uh, hole nine. The basket has been moved up to where FPO played last year. So it's like on that plateau area. So it's playing much shorter, but it's going to be a little bit scarier for some upshots and for some putts as well. Hole 11, two different basket locations for hole 11 hole 13. They cleaned up the gap. So now good Forehand shots are less fluky, still kind of fluky, but they did the best. There's a tree right in the middle of the gap. The park will not let them take it out. So it's the best they could do. Hole 14, huge change. OB on the left, OB on the right, and the basket did look like it got uh, around the basket, got cleaned up a little bit. So there might be some more putting opportunities where last year, if you're like short 30 feet, you didn't have a putt. Uh, Hole 16, is an island hole, but it's not an island hole. It looks like an island hole to you, but you don't have to go to the drop zone if you don't want to. So if you just blast it over the island OB, you take it in where it last went oh, in. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Drop zone is going to probably be only used for those that don't even actually advance sure. past. Uh, and then hole 18, probably the biggest change. We no longer finishing finishing with the dinky par three. We are finishing with a big boy. Par four. Do not let that 660 feet confuse you. It is a smash of a drive to get up to the hill. 
And then it's a smash between a tight gap with OB down the left, OB down the right. It is a monster of a hole and a great finisher. Big takeaways of those changes we just went through. Yeah. What stands out to you? Uh, biggest thing that stands out to me are for the first time we're playing different basket locations, Raise which the roof. I really like. Raise the roof. Yep. On different holes. That's one big takeaway. I think 18, though, is the one that really stands out as Love a great it. finishing hole. Anything can happen on that from double bogey to birdie. Um, and then, uh, yeah, just I, I I was saying that it's playing stick strokes harder for the field. Ooh. You're saying that. I didn't say anything. I didn't say a number. No, but you're you're saying for the best players, it's not playing that much harder. I think a I lot of not six. I I think yeah, I think it's yeah. definitely playing harder uh, because obviously eighteen I think is playing harder. Um, some of the basket locations are going to make it a little bit trickier, I think too. But for the most part, this is going to be if you're good at disc golf, you want to see disc golf going this way because yeah. this is going to benefit better players. This is not going to benefit bad players. There's going to benefit better players. So everyone that's at the top, they're loving this. I am sure. And basket locations. They did it three times. Cause I think they were like, Hey, let's kind of slow roll this. Let's like, see how it plays out. I think it's going to play great. And I'm hoping you guys watching at home are going to be like, wow, they need this at so many other courses. Cause it's going to make holes play differently. It's going to look cool. I like USDGC does it. Um, that's the only one I've ever played. Really, really did it. Yeah. I think I've done it. I've and they took it, one of the holes away though. That cool par five. They took that away. They used to do it at that cool par five over the street. Oh yeah. Yeah. They yep. No, they took it away there, but in Europe, they did it a couple of times. I remember on the world tour. Okay. We used to do it. Um, okay. But yeah, no, uh, big takeaways other than that are I'm excited, man. Yeah. Dude, this is a, Beast of a course. I gotta take my zinc and my uh, elderberry tonight, so I can yeah, be ready to go tomorrow. Oregano it's, oil. This dark horse. Uh, yeah, this course is definitely fun to play. All right, player of the year. Let's pop it up. You were excited to talk about this player of the year, MPO player of the year. Uh, Stat Mando threw up this graphic for us, so we'll run through the graphic for our listeners. You got Calvin Einberg has a thousand fifteen point five disc golf pro tour points. He has two elite wins. One silver win, 93% in the top 10 at elite or major events, 4,501 POY points. We're just going to act like that doesn't exist. That's yeah. that's a dumb stat. Uh, 3.6 average finish on tour versus Gannon Burr, 852.21 disc golf pro tour points, three elite wins, two silver wins, 69% uh, top 10, and 11.4 average finish on tour. All right, player of the year. Talk to me. Well, it's one of those things that I've I've always asked this question, which I feel like is a is a good way to get the conversation started. If I were to tell you I finish top two the whole year, let's say six times. So I get second place at six. What does that mean? The whole year six times. No, no, no. Uh, Yeah, let me let me yeah, I'm gonna try to you're saying six times. Yep. Okay, six events, you're top two. I'm top two. Um, and the next guy finishes outside the top ten most of the time, but gets three major wins. Who's the better player? Okay, so this is where I think the debate happens, okay. 
I think you have on one side of the fence, you have people that are going to just care about wins. Yep. All right. And it's like the person that wins the most is better. Yeah. Then you have on the other side, the, the person that was more consistent. Right. Mm-hmm. And the way I view this is I was trying to, I was trying to unpack this on like, let's say MVP voting for football. Sure. Right. So you could have it a quarterback that, and again, obviously it's a team sport, so it's different, but you could have a quarterback that leads their team with average stats to an undefeated season and a Super Bowl. But then you also could have a quarterback that led the league in passing touchdowns, led the league in passing um, yards. And also they went like, you know, they missed the playoffs by two. You know, there are two wins outside the playoffs. When asking like who had a better season, you're going to me, the person that's more talented, that played better, that was more impressive is going to be the person that was able to do it consistently. Yeah. However, I think as time goes on, right. 10 years from now, if we look back at the season, we're going to look back at the wins. Yep. We're going to look at that. We might look at the top tens as well, but we're going to say like Gannon won seven times. Calvin won four. Gannon had a better season. And then the big one you're going to look at is who was the, who was the best player that year. One player of the year. Yeah. And that to me, that's where I don't think everyone has. Uh, and yeah, size. let's see. Uh, wait, I can actually put up a poll real quick. Let's we'll put up a little poll right here. Player of the year. Uh, Gannon Calvin. Um, it's like, it's like uh, the goat debate with LeBron and, and Michael, right? Jordan has six wins, five or six, Finals appearances never lost in the finals. There, it pulls up. And then you got LeBron who leads it in every statistical category that there could possibly be with only three, but he went nine times. Yeah. And eight straight years. Who's the GOAT? Like, like I think, I think, you, you Cal- I, mean? I think Gannon is having, uh, Gannon right now is having the better season, right? He has more wins. So if you're looking at simply at that, he is winning more than Calvin is. You, you think, but you think that Calvin would trade his season for Gannon's? Ooh, probably. Right? Probably. I think so. Yep. But if you're looking, so if you if you remove that though, and now you're not looking at like, okay, who has the most wins, and you're just saying like who has played the best? Calvin is Calvin is having uh, like the best. He's he has played the best disc golf this year out of anybody. Ever, maybe. Consistently. It might be ever. He might be having like the bet, the highest level of disc golf at this level ever, just because of the field, the how hard the field is, and for him to do what he's doing now, the, there's a reason why no one else is even close. And that's again, that's again, if you're not putting the emphasis on winning, I think it's harder to get second place at yeah. every event than it is to win twice on tour. Sure. Right, like it, it. There's gonna be more people that win twice on tour throughout the history of disc golf than get second at every event. Oh yeah, without without a doubt. But so that's where it's like it depends on where you look. It depends where, on where you look. As an individual sport, we only care about wins. That's it. Yeah, and, and but the question is, is that player of the year? Because if that's player of the year, then there shouldn't even be a debate. There should yeah. just be a formula. Yeah. Of like, uh, elite event events get you this many points. Elite Plus give you this many points, and we have that. It's a disc golf. It's a disc golf. It's a disc golf pro tour. It is a preference. Yeah, it's it's a hundred percent preference. Um, 
But I just think we're, right now we're at 85% Calvin uh, with uh, 130 votes so far. 85% have voted for Calvin. Um, so there you have it. We'll see what happens. All right, let's jump to uh, the Disc Golf Pro Tour posted the MPO grip strength. Yuli, on this list, I want to know where you would put yourself. Uh, you got Gavin Babcock just shredding everyone at 181.8. Myself coming in second at 163. AB in third, 152. Austin Turner in fourth at 149. And Ezra Aderhold in fifth at 142. Dropping down to top 10, you have Isaac Robinson at 134. What's your grip strength like? I know this. Here's the thing. Oh, wait, what do you mean you know this? I know this because when I was out, with my shoulder injury, I had to do this test because oh, snap. of the injury that I had. And so listen to this. When I first went into the grip strength, yeah. get I want you to guess what my grip strength was when I left the tour for the injury. 80. It was 73. That's close. It's not good. It was my, my Kelsey might be higher. Looked at me and he's like, no, you need to like grab it. Like you need to try. I'm like, I'm, I'm doing my, my my neck's just like, I'm like, I, and he's like, yeah, this is bad. We so what they work. have you do like um, like stress balls and stuff like that kind of exercises, all kinds of stuff. But, okay. But we got it up to one thirteen, one seventeen, something okay. like that. Like right in there. Nice. All right. By the end of it. All right. Yeah. There was, there was a handful of people. I don't know. Uh, right now. There was a handful of people that throw really, really far that were not high. So if you're in the gym doing like forearm work and like grip strength stuff, it doesn't translate to distance. <laughs> it was like, uh, it's not going to hurt you. Ben Calloway's ripped. Like, have you, you ever felt like this dude's? Yeah. He does push up. Well, he looks like a rock climber. He's yeah. built like a rock. Climber. And you would think his grip strength was crazy. It was like 95. Um, yeah. It's weird. It's weird. It's, it's, well, it's like a very specific muscle and that, you know, Gavin having that wrestling background, like it's not, what were you in third? I'm not surprised. I was second. Second, but you're a monster. To be fair, though, I had one of those things, so I had practice with it because uh, I bought it for like a viral TikTok went off. So me and Kelsey did it like once or twice uh, in our house. Um, all right, there was a tweet. You were training. I, I guess I was training without even knowing <laughs> I was training, which might be the coolest thing ever. Um, all right. A tweet went out. If you guys aren't following this guy, Nate Turner on Twitter, he like posts some actually like pretty, pretty good tweets. And some of them just like pop off. This one popped off. So it like popped up on my like for you or whatever. What? And I'm curious. There's another poll I'm going to put up and I'm, I want to know your, your idea. What do disc golfers lie about more? The amount of aces they have or how far they throw? Uh, how far they throw. Okay. It's not it, without a doubt. Why, why do you say that? I just, I just know I, because I hear I random people come up to me and they, and they tell me even I do a lot of lessons and they're like, yeah, you know, I throw like, you know, 420 and it's like, eh, no, you don't actually at all. <laughs> and now, and now you lied to me. So, so to, <laughs> to me, I think, I think it depends. Really? Yes. I think. I think if you're playing with someone, you say aces. Mm. So if you're playing with someone, they ask you, Hey, how many aces do you have? Yeah. You can lie. I have 17, but you can't lie about your distance. You're playing with them, right? Yeah. They're going to see now if it's you're not playing with them, 
if you're not playing with them, I think the distance is the biggest one. It's, I think people would rather yeah. lie about like, yeah. if you're just, if you're just like me and you just here talking and you ask me how far I throw, uh, I'm going to lie about that way more often than aces. But I think people will lie about aces when you're playing with them. Like, Oh, I've aced this whole like three times. Oh yeah. You know what I'm I saying? Like or that. stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Like I aces from back in the day. Cause I don't think you can't the buzz when I was younger. Yeah. Cause you, you know? can't get away with lying you're about like, your distance. 430 feet. Yep. You, ne- you yep. never, you never did that. Yep. Um, I also just, I think also people, there's a big percentage of people that just don't actually know how far they throw. I think they think they throw farther. So I think they don't, I don't think they're necessarily lying. Cause I think lying implies that, you know, you throw shorter than you're saying. I think there's a lot of people that are like, I throw 400 feet. And then if you actually took them to a field and throw, throw, they're like, Oh my gosh, I actually only throw 350. I had no idea. Yeah. Um, Especially if you play on some of these courses that they're like the distance is all wrong. Yeah. Downhill, uphill. Oh gosh, yeah. Hole one. If you play a Deglo, hole one, you're gonna think you throw 500 feet. Yeah. Um. All right. It, how far they throw? Overwhelming. Not even close. 97. percent Wow. This poll thing's kind of fun. Uh. All right. Uh. I saw a Reddit post. I want to talk about real quick. I thought it was pretty interesting, and I want to get your number one at the end. These were the most unpopular opinions, like your most unpopular opinion that you have on disc golf. These were some of my favorites that I, that I saw on the post. We should never have left the safety of trees. Okay. I like to say Frisbee. Okay. (laughs) Faster playing groups have the right of way. The amount of people in a group is irrelevant. If my group of four is waiting on your group of three on every hole, and there is nobody in front of you. You should let us play through. That's a pr- that's a these are good. that's a really these are all good, good one. These are that's a good. really good one because I'm sure there's people like oh yeah there's a four, there are force behind yeah. us. It's just a twosome. Like we we're not gonna let them play through. Um, I want to throw your speaker into the pond. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, keep your dog at home. Okay. Yeah, like maybe some people don't like yeah. these random dogs on the course running around. And then the last one, shrink the sport. Sports getting too big. Courses are getting too crowded. Yeah, too crowded. Got to shrink the sport. Mm-hmm. Do you? Uh, what do you think your most unpopular opinion is? Most unpopular. If you need a few seconds, I can tell you mine. I mean, I like the group. Like, like let let the people play through. Play through stuff. Yeah, I like that. And frisbee. I I don't mind. Saying frisbee. I okay. Saying frisbee. What do you I, I think my most unpopular one is the um, nice playing with you on hole 18's tee. Yeah, Bill. That's that's probably. Oh, I'm oh my own. Yeah, yeah, your own. Oh, like what? You, my own. I would say mine is nice playing with you on hole 18's tee, and then probably dress code. That's the other one. But it's starting to not be like super unpopular because all of a sudden, like everyone's starting to wear jerseys now. So maybe it's maybe it is going that yeah. way. We'll see. Um. Most unpopular opinion, man. This is I'm crazy. sure you've said something oh, on yeah. like Joe Mez where like someone's like, Oh my gosh, Yuli, that's way wrong. Yeah. Let me think. you can take some think. time. Let me think. Here, you think on it. Yep. Uh you I, go through some. We're real quick, let's let's just have a five second moment of silence. The end of an era went just happened this week. Uh so five seconds, moment of silence. My OG get freaky uh has been retired. All right, yeah, my my most un sorry. What were the five seconds? What was the that was one second? Maybe that was a half a second. All right, all right, one. All right, go ahead. All right, go. The moment's over. The moment's over. 
Uh, right, you, go ahead. You're most unpopular. I don't have one. I just wanted it. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, um, no, do you actually don't have one? No. Oh, okay. To complete. Okay. Complete well, okay. You got me. Um, <laughs> for those asking, the reason why I retired it was because at Northwood, I threw it on one of the holes. I kind of saw where it landed, but it was the, it was the part three that like you throw over like all that foliage. Yeah. Uh, was it 15, uh, 16? Yeah. Hole 16. And I started freaking out because I was like, oh my gosh, like it, it's in, it's right here. I yeah. saw it land here. And I was like, bro, if if I have to do a lost disc, because like we don't have a spotter that tell me exactly where it is, it is so hard to find. It is so hard to find. You retire that disc. And you have to keep it in your bag. I I might pull it out for no, certain tournaments. I might have that disc. I know, but I might pull it out for. I stopped throwing it during tournaments I'm, because I was terrified of not being able to find it. Doesn't it. matter. That's, that's not good. Your, that's your bad captain. I call them bad captains. I have a really sick. I, I gotta show you a new one. I got a really sick double stamped. OG get free, uh, get freaky like that. That looks sick. So. I have a disc in my bag. I don't ever throw. It's the bad captain. It won't ever come out of there. It keeps. It keeps the. We'll see if I if I together. if I struggle at Deagle, then maybe I'll throw it back in. All right, my unpopular opinion. Here we is, go. Unpopular opinion. I love stroke and distance. It's my favorite. Oh, that's it's a good my one. favorite rule. That's a good one. Um. All right. For all you stat nerds out there, we got a few uh, a few things, listener questions. Uh, these are the two that I picked. Last week, I loved hearing Yuli pick himself in the weekly picks. You also seemed pumped with that pick. Why was Yuli so confident? Health, course, mental. What was it? What made you confident in picking yourself going into Idlewild last week? What was what was the number one thing? I just know my game. You know, I know when I'm close, and I know when I'm playing good. And when I play good, it's usually it's usually pretty good. Good results. Yeah. Love it. That was from Jake. I was Shout scared out to Jake. Though. I was scared of it. Once you pick yourself, it is a little it is a little scary. <laughs> um, next question is from Dor- Dark and Stormy. Are we essentially 15 Calvin C1 putts away from the great season of all time? He missed more C1 putts than his margin of defeat by two at each at five tournaments. Could have won Music City, Beaver State Fling, the Preserve, European Open, and Idaho with better C1X putting. So he's got a graph. So for all you, uh, if, if, you, if you're watching us on YouTube or coming back, you can pause it once this graph comes up so you can kind of see it. He graphed everything out and showed how many C1 putts he missed and then also showed how much he lost by. And, you know, he missed six C1 putts at Music City, lost by two. Missed five C1 putts at Beaver State Fling, lost by three. Seven at Preserve. Five at European Open. Four at Idlewild. So, it is an interesting one. Now, some of these numbers, like, I don't know, four at Idlewild is not the craziest thing. That's like one. I mean, that's one around just over There's one around spots there where you can't really hard it. to put. Yeah. Really hard to put. So might be looking into this a little bit, but it is an interesting thing to talk about where, you know, he's a couple putts away here from winning it. Um, well, again, here's, it's like, the thing, right, here's the thing with that. Yeah. Calvin's a great putter. He's very good. He is a great putter. He's gotten that, better too. Yeah. That, that he missed five and he won. It's definitely a spreadsheet, not a graph. I apologize. He, he won a tournament, missed five putts. You know why? Because he has a putt on every thing. That's huge. Hole. That's huge. He's making probably more putts than other people. 
Uh, does it tell you, know you how I mean? many he made? I want to see. Yeah. yeah, I mean, let's show he had 45 C1X putts. 45. 47. 47 C1 putt, C1X putts. I mean, they, they, these are ridiculous numbers. These are that's so <laughs> right? many. That's, that's a so lot. many putts. 45. So he he was putting inside the circle more than 11 times around for birdie. Yeah. No, not necessarily no, no, for birdie. Not necessarily no, for birdie. But that's a lot of. But that's a lot. Most of the time they are for birdie. Yeah. So, a lot of putts. A lot of putts. Um. All right. Let's jump into our picks. Uh, that's making 11 putts in a row. Yeah. It's it's like it's that's so hard many to putts. do. It's so many putts, man. So many putts. Um. All right. We normally don't do like statistics, but Steve's nerd uh, hooked us up this week with some stats because I think some of these stats are kind of nuts. Okay. So you got Yuli. You have now picked the winner four times this season. That is now 10 times for us as a podcast. We've picked the winner 10 times, really? which is also really impressive because we're not able to pick the same people now yeah. um, later. So it's gotten impressive. Uh, this was also the first week out of all 19 weeks that we've picked, uh, that we've picked all winners, like all everyone got points. No. Yes. All six players got points. And then this also was the first time we've mentioned it, that you bet on yourself and it actually worked. I I'm think I'm doing it again. I'm, uh, I think I did it once and it did not work. I, I did it the same week as you. And yeah, we did. both did. It <laughs> yeah. Work. Okay. But it did. I mean, you're one for two. That's pretty good. So pulling up from last week, you got Calvin Hyburn giving me three points. Isaac Robinson, give me three. Matty. O give me one. Ricky got you one Gannon Burr for winning, got you five. And then you yourself got yourself three, which I would like to say next year, I think we need to adjust. It's too late in the season. Now next year, I think we need to do a new adjustment. So Steve's nerd, hear this out. I think if you pick yourself, I think it's like a, a 1.5 X multiplier. <laughs> oh, that would be sick. I think it's a one point. If you pick yourself and get points, I think it's a 1.5 pick each other ourselves every week. What if you pick, what if I pick you though? And you get it. I should get a bonus. That could be that. a 1.5. Yeah. If you pick either one of us yeah. and we are in 1.5 X like multiplier. Um, all right. So picks for this week. Who's uh, off the board? Uh, that's okay. Yeah. Let me, okay. So we're going to pull this up. These are the people that are off the board. So we can't, we can't go back. Uh, we just did a reset. Yep. So now all these six players are off the board. Everyone else is on the board. I'm so glad I can't pick myself for this week. <laughs> monster track. <laughs> Dude, I counted, I think, seven holes where I'm like, yeah, probably probably can't even reach those. So. Oh, like just like par is a good score? Yeah. Yeah. No, it, 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 uh, it's a brute. It's a brute. The elevation's massive. Right. Um, yeah, so let's pull up. Let's pull up. And uh, I think I'm picking first because you got more points last week i believe that's i i think every week we change it but yeah, i think that, that i think that's what we try to stay consistent with all right so this week man 74 people in the field i guess some people dropped out or something 74 people in the field can't pick calvin isaac robinson matteo ricky gannon or yuli uh i am going with someone that has had success at this course before uh, has gotten close to winning it. I don't know if they have actually won it. They probably have. I'm going with Eagle. Ah, what a great pick. Big Eagle. Yeah. Eagle is off the board. Yuli, two picks for you, my man. Man. I have to go with. 
Corey Ellis is not playing. Simon. Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. We didn't pick Simon last week. That's a good pick, Simon. All right. And this guy's been playing really well. Okay. Really well. I'm going with Kyle Klein. Kyle Klein. All right. I got my two picks. Uh, I'm going to go with someone that has been uh, a little bit under the radar lately. Mm. Haven't heard too much from him. But I think this course is going to suit his game. I think I think it is a lot of backhands, staying in the fa- fairway, and making a lot of circle two putts. I'm going with the proctologist, James Proctor. Such a good pick, yeah. Going James Proctor. And for my third pick, uh, you know... You know, I'm going to get a little crazy. No, I'm not. I was thinking I'm getting a little crazy. I'm not going to get a little crazy. I'm going to go. Gosh, give me a B. I'm going a B. I'm just going big distance. Yeah. For I'm gonna, I got, I got, I guess I got two powered power throwers in line and I'm going to put in Cole Rodolin. Good pick. Okay. Be interesting to see how he performs on this course. It's very similar, I would say, to the shots it asks as Eureka, but with elevation. Yep. And then it has a few kind of scramble, more scramble stuff in the woods, which he obviously was uh, no problem for him at Northwood. Uh, so you got Yuli picking Simon, Kyle Klein, Cole, myself going with Eagle, James Proctor, and A.B., those are our picks this week. Let us know if you think those are trash or good. Uh, other than that, I think... Oh, I almost forgot. Uh, I should have told... I forgot to tell you to bring your disc. You can you can just talk about it. Uh, we finally have... Dang it. It's always a passion. It's always a passion uh, with Paige's logo, Ezra's logo, and my logo right there. This is a collab disc. We obviously, all three of us throw this disc. We love it. This is in the plastic that everyone loves right now, which is the Jawbreaker Z. And uh, this one's white with orange and blue. So this is like my gator colors. Um, these will be dropping at D-Glow in person on Friday at noon. And then they will have an online drop at some point TBD. So we'll obviously keep you guys in the loop for that. But we're super excited about it. And uh, I absolutely love it. And uh, Yuli, your disc, you promoted it today, I think, on Instagram. You want to talk about what you got going yeah, on? Yeah, mine D-Glo? is the same plastic, so put that back up there. Same kind of swirly plastic. This is the Jawbreaker Z Flex, and mine's uh, oh, a Oh, is Flex. Oh, so it's got like a little it bit does. of... It does, yeah. Jawbreaker Flex. I like the um, Flex. We wanted to do something kind of, uh, you know, that's a the Flex is a super popular disc with the amateur yep. field. They love that stuff. And so we 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 made that with a little Yuli logo on there, of course. Nice. But that same where can you pick that up? You can get that where? Same spot. Same spot. Yeah. Okay. It'll, it'll be all they'll do it online too, you think at some point? Yep. Okay, sweet. All right. So if you're in the area uh, and you're coming out to D Glow, definitely check it out. A lot of cool stuff uh happening. Obviously the course is gonna be set up, I think, really well for everyone. And uh we did this in under two hours. So I'm happy with that. Pretty good. Because we're pretty hungry. I don't know. Is anyone still here? Probably not. Um well yeah. No one I guess we've also forgot to invite people in. 
but they're all they're probably doing pizza party they're, they're doing the party they're they're busy pizza partying so we're gonna go check out the pizza party yep. thank you guys so much thanks for uh ganon for jumping on thank you silas for everything you do behind the scenes and uh we'll see you guys all next week take it easy